Thank you everyone for joining me for my new episode of my podcast, USNA Mid Moms and More, and have with me two USNA grads, Heidi Lanzini and Michaela Lee. I'm very excited to hear about their journey through USNA and more importantly about their careers in the Navy and also as as female officers and just in general. And I I do appreciate um, what you both mentioned just about the depth and breadth of opportunity that really make you well-rounded. And as a naval officer, you need to be well-rounded because you're going to be dealing with a lot of different backgrounds and interests that are going to be part of your enlisted that you're responsible for. And I think that helps to develop those relationships with the men and women that you're going to lead. And so talking about leading men and women, as you looked from the academy and then going out into the fleet, um, if you can talk about maybe three or four of the top things that kind of surprised you or that you had to be prepared for that you weren't prepared for. Um, for example, uh, I know that a lot of uh, the midshipmen as they're going out into the fleet, they don't realize they have to put money away for like deposits and rent and that they're going to have to take out utilities and they don't have a car yet. So they're going to buy a car and have to pay car insurance and all this stuff. So what are some like real life things that you had to think about as you commissioned out into the fleet? And then we'll get to careers in a minute, because I think that's going to be the most valuable part of the conversation. And I'm going to toss it to Michaela and then to Heidi. Okay. Um, so one of the things, and this was a couple of years back in the, in the female, in the SIG, a midshipman or, or a recent graduate started this list of things that she wishes she knew. Um, and it's this phenomenal list. And I was like, this is, this is, I wish I had this. Like, and so the first thing I would say is you get that starter bonus, do not buy a brand new car. Like I know it's so easy to just go and buy, a, I don't actually, I don't know how much it is right now. I don't, maybe we can't afford a car, but I went and I bought a brand new, a, two, a 1999 Kia Sport. I thought I was hot stuff. Um, and I, I wish I would have bought like a used car or done something a little bit, not use the proponents of my money for that. Um, save, 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 save. I know um, I did not grow up saving that much or, you know, understanding the value of saving. Um, and so I just wish that I, there was the things that I would have like known um, I would have gotten a roommate. I was all about just being independent, doing this. I would have that. I would have definitely gotten roommates instead of, you know, maxing out my BAH. I was living the high life, and it was just completely not necessary. Um, and I wish that I would have made better choices. Um, another thing I would highly recommend and encourage people to live close, if possible, to the duty to your ship or duty station. There are people that lived so far out, and I, honestly, that we're in a cost of living crisis. So, uh, the you know times have changed, but I mean, our commutes and two, and it's just it just makes you just not functioning as you spent two hours in traffic trying to get two and a half, one hour, two hours in traffic. So, try to live as close to duty station as possible, um, and save your money. Save your money. And the thing is that I was pulled because my first duty station was in Japan, and so in Japan you get. You get COLA, um, and it's on top of BH, and then you get MIHA, which is a um, housing okay. allowance. For, so for I those, was living large. For those, for those parents of us that don't know what MOHA and MIHA are, can oh, you please tell us? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, so, yes, yeah, so um, it's, it's a cost of living adjustment because Japan is a little bit more expensive um, than the, your normal duty station. And then, um, and then uh, is a, I think meal is a, it's a, a housing allowance 
that on top of your regular um, housing allowance. And it just, especially as an ensign, I was making lieutenant pay, the equivalent of a lieutenant pay, of a lieutenant pay stateside. And so I just got, you know, I was, I thought that that was, <laughs> that was going to be the, the salary going forward. My first visa was overseas in Southwest Japan, and the second was in San Diego. And all those extra allowances go away, but I still have the same, you know, got same apartment, same same expenses, and I just did not adjust very very well. And I just would really encourage. I, I know it's so hard to say this, like because you you want you get caught up in wanting to keep up with the Joneses to save. I just wish I knew someone would have taught me more about saving. And one thing is, like I know, actually happened to me almost right away, is I was supposed to start going to surface warfare officer school after my leave time, and I had actually signed up for a summer program, like back in like February of of, of first year, and then I didn't hear anything back, so I just thought, oh, maybe I just didn't get picked up for the program, and then literally the week before graduation. Another classmate of mine's like, oh yeah, I saw your name on this list to go to, to San Antonio. I was like, oh, what are you, what are you talking about? This is, this is a St. Mary's program with kids over the summer. And I was like, what are you talking about? And so I go and sure enough, I had already sent my cruise box, which has all my stuff other than like basically a suitcase worth of stuff that had already been sent to Newport. And I had already signed a contract with two other women that were going to be in my ship to go to SWAS in to start in July. And I was like, uh, this was not part of my plan. <laughs> and so I'm like totally freaking out. I'm like, what am I going to do now? And so, so basically what happens if the Navy changes your orders and you have already made commitments based on your original orders, the Navy has to pay for that. Because I'm like, because that wouldn't be fair to my roommates because we were splitting up the rent three ways. They shouldn't have to pay because it's not their fault that I wasn't there. But I also shouldn't have to pay for something that I'm not going to be at. That wasn't my fault. So that I had to, you know, scramble and figure that out. I had to figure out uniforms and what I was going to, you know, have. And it was a great experience. I mean, I got, I was, once we got through all the logistics of the insanity. Uh, yeah. So that was like, what in the world? Um, I would also say if you can, you probably won't be able to do it on your first tour, but maybe by your second tour, once you've had, you know, some job experience try to buy something, even if it's something relatively small. You may think like, oh, you can't afford it. But when you think about, you know, how much your mortgage would be, then how much money you're tossing on in rent, Mm -hmm. you could probably just continue to build on that. And I 100% concur with live closer, even, and also to don't accumulate a lot of stuff. Like I am, oh my God, (laughs) I am the worst pack rat. Maybe that's just when you have a lot of people in your family, just figure, oh, I'll just use it sometime. Like, no, you won't. Go light. Ladies, you do not need as many clothes as you think you do. I think I read something about someone who, first of all, you wear a uniform, which makes it easy. But as far as I remember women talking about just a professional woman who basically had 10 main articles of clothing and alternated that with, say, you know, different accessories, scarves, this, that, whatever, and went an entire year and no one really noticed that she kept recycling the same 10 items. So you, I mean, that's like one of the first things is that you're, you're so sick of wearing uniforms sometimes that you want to just like, you know, retail therapy and you yeah. might get a little bit too carried away. Don't do that. Okay. <laughs> just stick with some I basics. Know, I know a few female men that, that <laughs> could use that advice precisely. Mm-hmm. And I love that what you mentioned about or keeping it light, like not mm-hmm. things because we have moved yeah. our three children from duty station to duty station mm-hmm. and they always 
call us for help, which we're glad to help. And I'm, I love organizing. That's how I get my OCD out. So I love yeah. organizing their place. But oh my gosh, when when one of my kids, we had to help them move. It's like, oh my gosh, I don't think I'm ever doing that again. Too much stuff. Well, well and I think I think within between duty stations, just just do a purge, do a major purge. Like there's always things that you think you're going to get to and you don't. And then sometimes just stuff moves in boxes that you just never open. But uh, but yeah, really just trying to be disciplined about just maybe you know once or twice a year doing a, a major purge on something, or maybe just setting aside you know, uh, like a half an hour on the weekend and just try to just keep at because otherwise it just accumulates and it yeah. just gets, and you're just like, you just don't deal with it. And then, you know, you get to be 20 plus years later and you're like, what the hell is all this stuff? <laughs> like what in the world? And then you've uh, had to move it all and pack it. Yeah. And pack it. So, yeah. Okay, exactly. So talking about I, I, moving is a perfect segue, I think, to talk mm-hmm. about careers. So I mm-hmm. think, I guess it's, uh, you'll be moving every two to three years, but mm-hmm. how I want to ask you how you ended up choosing your community. And then I also want you to comment on lateral transfers, because I don't think a lot of mids uh, necessarily know that I think when you and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think when you re-up or when you sign up again, you can literally transfer to another area. You don't have to stay SWO. Like you can move from SWO to somewhere else, I think. Well, you, there's they yeah. basically boards meet twice a year as far as lateral transfers are concerned. And it's kind of, it's a little bit of a double-edged sword because you, they ideally like to see you get warfare qualified, but then at the same time, and the service warfare community in particular is extremely stingy about allowing anyone to lateral transfer. Uh, so you have to have an endorsement from your commanding officer in order to do that. And I, I think, I, again, I just got lucky in the sense that uh, that I ended up in a command that was run by a public affairs officer, and he ended up leaving early to go to, uh, to war college, Amber War College, and then I ended up taking over. For several months. And so uh, I, you know, when I could get, and then I was working directly for the chief of naval information, you know, as a satellite command. And okay. so when you get an endorsement from someone like that, so I'm saying if someone's considering a lot of transfer, say, you know, for Intel or for, you know, there's a lot of other things, you want right. to try to get something that's relevant experience. So for me on my first ship, uh, I ended up also being, I was auxiliaries and electrical. So basically, if it wasn't main engines, I owned it, which is a whole mess of stuff. But then I was also collateral to public affairs. So that was really my exposure to public affairs. And especially when you have a ship like the Sullivans that has such name recognition, and there's always interest in working with it. Uh, and then I would had, I think, I, I'm sure at some point, I must have worked with the public affairs officer of the base. And then in my second job, uh, I was at their Great Lakes and the public affairs officer was literally steps away from me from where my office was. So I was in there and talking with him all the time about stuff. So he also had um, had put an endorsement for me as well. So I think if you're considering another community, first of all, the warfare community is extremely important. That provides the backbone of your knowledge level. And I drew from that just about on a daily basis in my work as in public affairs. So that is super important. I know sometimes people want to talk, talk smack about surface warfare, but I'm telling you what, they, they have beautiful ships. These are the work destroyers. I mean, that's, there's about 60 of those out of, out of almost 300 ships. So that is the backbone of the fleet. They're beautiful ships. They're really fun to drive. Uh, and I just love being at sea. I spent three weeks in Quantico. Uh, I love Marines. I think they're awesome, but that was just not the lifestyle that I wanted. Uh, I had no burning desire to fly. And even so I had, um, 
Um, and I, I actually never had any in the aviation aviation uh, cruises, but I just I don't know. There's something about it. I never really felt drawn to that. And I, you know, I used to swim in high school. I just have an affinity for the water, and I loved my cruises and everything that I did there. So it really wasn't a question about if I was going to go surface warfare or not. It was a question of which ship was I going to get. Okay. And uh, and it's actually it's funny you mentioned Japan, McKay. Like that was my first plan was I was going to try to get an amphibious ship out of Japan. And then somehow uh, in the process of standing there in line for service selection, or they used to, or they're calling it service assignment now, but being able to just choose your ship, which they make it kind of like this big uh, like NFL draft event, which I think it's pretty cool. It wasn't quite that fancy when we were there, but anyway, so I'm there and the, I, I think, I'm, I don't know if it was the detailer or somebody kind of sidles up and says, so what do you think about a pre-com? Like, I have no opinion. Tell me more. I don't, I don't, I didn't know what he's like, well, you know, you get to be the the first division officer, you get to, you get to set it up the way you want it. You don't have to deal with someone else's mess. I'm like, okay, okay. All right. I think I might be convinced to do that. And the early Burks at that point were relatively new. I mean, they come out in 1991. I'm selecting this in 1995. Um, no one that I knew had ever even been on a ship like that before. So it was, again, it was, it was a completely brand new platform, very similar to the cruisers in some respect, but then handling very differently because of the way they, they configured it. So, so it was kind of a, um, why not? stay open to possibilities. And uh, I do believe about 90% of people are getting either their first or second choice as far as what they want. Again, you've got mentors of all kinds around the yard, any community you could possibly imagine. So there's certainly ample opportunities to talk to people and certainly all the different training that you get over the summer is geared towards that and helping you understand where you feel like you belong. Right. So, so that's where I think, you know, really just, just thinking about those other possibilities, or even I have several friends who ended up just doing their five and dive, went into the reserves or lateral later on in the reserves and, and ended up doing quite well for themselves. So, you know, you just got to feel what's going to be the right balance for you. And, and some people actually ended up racking up enough time as a reservist that, they will get that retirement check starting around age 53. So sometimes when you, have, so you have these like serial reservists where they kind of start hopping from one active duty job to the next and they, <laughs> again, really start racking up a lot of time. So they, it almost ends up, oh, as soon as you have some different options um, for you. So don't have to wait till you're like 60 years old so, or 65, okay. whatever it used to be. So yeah, you can definitely, and I've had, I know when he had a nine year break in service, Okay. And then came back in as a reservist. He's actually a judge. And uh, so came back in as a JAG. And uh, so, yeah, he did it also to use the Montgomery GI Bill, which, by the way, I'm using that on my daughter. She is the getting full use of my GI Bill. Yep. And I am paying exactly zero for the University of San Diego. That's so cool. it's 100% that's covered. Cool. Oh, my God. That's exactly what happened to me. So as, as Heidi mentioned, the mentors. Um, uh, one of my men- at the time I was not going to stay in the Navy for as long as I did, and so one of my mentors said, "Hey, pick a ship out of Japan. They're always uh, they're always deployed, and so you'll get your scope in quicker. And then the warfare officer because it's only a five year commitment. I knew I wasn't going to go Marine Corps because of my terrible time at Leatherneck, and I had, I had similar to Heidi, I had zero aspirations at all to go aviation. I just I just didn't feel it, and I did I did see Top Gun, um, and so I chose." An amphib, a large egg amphib out of, out of Japan, um, we deployed a lot. Um, we were gone a lot, and I did get my scope in in just over a year. I loved it. I saw the world. I went to Australia five times during my time there. You know, I had a great experience seeing the world. I felt bad for people that had families because you were just were never home. Um, and, that, and that's when I started realizing, okay, this is, 
I see the toll that it takes on people and their families, the people that are left behind having to put, put things together. And that's when I started realizing, I don't know if this is really going to be for me, because at the time I was like, I, I, I'd like a family, and I just didn't see how I could do both. Um, I did not lateral transfer. I actually uh, stayed in uh, surface warfare for as long, for my entire duration. I stayed in the Navy. Um, and I did have a desire to do the law education program, but as, as Heidi said, they did not encourage you, if you were a top performer, to... You know, because again, you got to get the endorsement of your chain of command, and so they use different tactics to dissuade you, or they make it uh, create an impediment to progress. They're saying, "Hey, we need you for this deployment. You've got this only qualification, and this, this, and that." And at the time, you know, September 11th had just happened, and they really wanted service worker officers. We were de deployed a lot, and so they weren't encouraging the lateral transfer option, at least. When I was there, I, I'm sure it's changed. Uh, now, now I, I work for the chief of naval personnel, and I get those packages, and I see that things have changed a little bit. We definitely, like every PAO, it's so funny. I work in the office of the PAO, and they all want a slow dog. They're all like, "Give me the slow dog," and then the slow community is also kind of wanting to give it to the PAO community because a lot of things happen, and that that slow person, that slow, can understand immediately what's going on and can translate very well. Um, with their with the experience of having been having been a service worker officer and it brings it transitions very well nicely as a TAO. So now that it's kind of shifted a little bit because now probably because we have a retention problem. Um and so they definitely are encouraging people, okay, I know you don't we now won't be able to retain you as well, but can we retain you in something else? So there's definitely a shift now, at least from the leadership from the high echelons of DC, the Navy, that, that they want to encourage people to be happy in the community. If you can't stay, if you, we would rather retain you than lose you and lose your skill set if so we can get you to a community that, that you want to be in that can give you the work-life balance that you desire. I think that's, uh, I think that's smart on their part because I know it is. Uh, many of my uh, mids friends or even my one mid who ended up getting out and I think if they would have given that option, they would probably still be in. COVID changed yeah. everything, not only like in the civilian yeah. world with like remote work, but I think in the Navy, it had its own effects as well. And you have to look, I think, at that satisfaction in a sense, that job satisfaction to be able to retain people. And they've invested so much, especially for academy grads, because they've invested in you the four years at the academy and then all the training for their qualifications and your pins and all the knowledge base that's in your head that if you leave goes with you, that I think it's the smartest thing they could do is to try and retain all that investment. And so that's why that's why it's interesting that you said that it, that it it is it may not be making its way down to the actual get to the deck plate. It might not be making its way yeah. that this policy isn't, and that's the concern. And so that's why the chief and he's doing a round, he's doing a, a road show because he does want to make sure that people are hearing from him and the CNO you know, also like in the second ad that we'd rather retain you. <laughs> then lose you like we'd rather retain your skill set and so again yeah so the, the CEOs may not want to share that but and which is unfortunate but but that it is definitely a push because we are getting hammered from congress with our retention numbers and conversely the people are now using their congressmen as an advocate and they're explaining why they're getting out and 
there. Like, maybe, what do you, why are you doing this? Why are you not encouraging people? Why, why are you chastising people for wanting to spend time with their families or to want to stay in a PCS location for longer duration? So it's definitely, there's a shift. I'm, I'm witnessing it firsthand, the shift. Oh, good. Because I'm, I'm glad I have a friend. I did a podcast with her a few months ago. She's a 15 year spouse of a Marine and they have moved, moved, moved. They've had unaccompanied tours, all of this. And my hat off to her because they've spent so much time apart, but he loves what he does. He loves, and she loves him. And so she supports him, but they do. There's a a big price to be paid on the, on the other side with the people that stay home and are taking over both roles uh, while our service men and women are deployed, et cetera. Sometimes it's back to back to back to back. So there is no relief, right? So I'm glad that they're looking at that for sure. So as two females, what advice can you give uh, to officers, but specifically to female officers that go out in the fleet advancing in your career? And what are some challenges that you've had to overcome as females, if any? Um, And I'll turn it over to Heidi and then back to Michaela. Yeah, I would say the number one thing is, is really choose your partners very wisely. You know, especially being in the academy and it's a little utopia. You think everything's all great and wonderful, but that's, that's not reality. Uh, I think if you're thinking about getting married, give it some time, give it a couple of years. Oh Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you want to get married just take your time because not everybody is designed to deal with the distance um and i know even just from my own family i mean my my mom uh, went through college in three years um my dad was uh, i think doing some national guard stuff my mom had it all figured out she my, my sister and i were born at this point she was going to go back to, to teach my mom my grandma was going to be there to help her out and then my dad comes home and says we're going in the navy and she's like wait what <laughs> <laughs> and and so it we went on this journey and my mom although again at first she was like no I don't know about all this navy stuff but she grew to connect with the other spouses and um we had these incredible experiences I mean I got to live in Spain um we we got drug all over the place we got to visit Germany got to visit Italy uh so I think um the kind of person that you want to be with is comfortable in being independent and has some skills they want to develop I think that the internet has helped a lot with helping people to continue their studies or have say um, a skill or craft that can travel with them I know um retired captain her husband worked for navy federal and they got him jobs wherever she went and so you have to find somebody who's got uh, they're very comfortable with themselves and 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 so there generally tends to be and even for the men's even with my own and my very first ship the master chief's wife was a worked for a bank and she stayed in north carolina when our ship we were bouncing around all over the place with our ship and that was the arrangement that they made it work so I think you just have to have somebody who is extremely independent, <clears throat> who's going to be supportive. And I have seen a definite shift with more men, either their part, their part military themselves, or they're just supportive of their of their military uh, wives. And they absolutely cannot be jealous. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in an environment that's about 90% guys. And, and they just have to be comfortable with that. That's just the way it is. I mean, it's just, you just keep it in professional and, and you just, we really want to, you have to be very conscious that you are always in the spotlight, whether you know it or not. And people are observing you. Who are you hanging out with? 
Who are you not hanging out with? If you're hanging out, uh, you know, who are you going on liberty with? <laughs> sometimes, uh, I mean, now that the number of women has increased, it's helpful because now you, you do have some more options. But sometimes, especially as you get more senior, you you could be one of one. And or you just want to just keep everything all in the open. You know, if you're going to go out, just, oh my gosh, do not be drinking. Seriously. Like, oh, limit yourself to a drink and that's it. Nine times out of 10, when there is some incident or some stupidity, there is some alcohol involved and you just do not want to get tangled up with that nonsense. So just be uber responsible. Know that people are watching you at all times. I appreciate you mentioning the part about the drinking because I do see that a lot, especially with the ensigns and a lot of young mm-hmm. officers. Um, my my One of my mids, or not mids, one of my now newly minted officers uh, you know, we asked them, well, what are you doing this week? And, well, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to go to a museum or I'm going to go to like a botanical garden. Well, aren't you going to go with friends? No, all they want to do is drink. So I think that's probably one of the best advice that, that you can give. Just because you can drink doesn't mean you have to, at least not to the point where you're out of control. So, Or you connect locally with, say, uh, a cause, you know, or maybe you're going to get involved with scouts or sea cadets or something else where you can help mentor not only, obviously, your sailors, but you can also mentor kids locally or, you know, show up for, say, your local, a local school. You don't have to have kids in the school, but maybe you have a local grade school or someone like for Veterans Day, go out there and represent. I'm on the Service Academy Women. This is a Facebook group. I'm on them all the time about this. It's like, don't sit there and complain about, oh, people don't recognize, you know, women in the military. I'm like, well, are you wearing your class ring? Are you out there representing? Are you out there, you know, for Veterans Day? And it's not about like getting the free coffee or whatever else like that. It's about being visible. And even in this area, even in the DC area, it still blows my mind where people just, I don't really get as much asked anymore when I'm wearing some Navy related stuff. Like I I like to wear my, my Navy 95 ball cap all the time. And so every once in a while, I'd still get asked like, Oh, is your husband? And I'm like, Nope, I earned this one. (laughs) It's, it's, it's mine. (laughs) So, so, or or I'll, or I'll hold it. I wear my ring all the time. So I'll like hold it in my hand. I'm like, yeah, they don't give these away in a cracker jack box. You know, I, yeah, this is earned. (laughs) So, so so my, my son who, is the Notre Dame NROTC that the Notre Dame ring looks exactly like the Naval Academy ring. So they mm-hmm. keep on asking, but back, back and forth, both sure. kids. But I think that's great advice. And I do think that as you were mentored, um, it's almost like your responsibility to mentor, to go out into the community and try to make mm-hmm. a difference. And something I think people don't realize too, especially when you go out there as a, as a new ensign. Okay. So you're maybe what? 22, 23, 24 years old, you have sailors that started in when they were 17 or 18 years old. So they now already have four or five years in. And I had one of the guys in my division, he already had two children and one on the way. Now, what he did not mention was that the two other children were preemies. And it's like, hmm, okay, well, maybe it's a highlight. Well, maybe the third one might be a preemie. And of course, I had to, there was an issue. His wife had to be on bed rest. As you're supposed to get underway for like a week or two. Oh my God. And so I was like, okay, well, you need to have a plan. And so, and I always told my, I told, I told my guys from day one, I said, first of all, I don't care if it's your first day in the job or you've been doing this for 20, 30 years. If you feel like there's something that we could do better, I want to hear about it. And also too, I always say, I want to say yes to everything you want to do personally and professionally. I can't do that 
if you're not cross-training and if you're not looking out for each other. So I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning, you call me, we'll figure it out. I'd rather you call me before I hear from the commanding officer. So let's just all work together and everything's going to be fine. And I always, I don't advocate for them all the time. So I had one guy, we were going to get underway, kind of like new captain, take the car out for a spin kind of thing. And they, my chief engineer, first, first female chief engineer on, on Arleburg, and she was adamant that, oh, we're the engineers. We don't miss a movement. We get underway. I'm like, okay, seriously, it's one day. This guy has got family coming in from Costa Rica that he has not seen in five years. Mm, he is going to be so happy to have this one day of leave that he's going to work twice as hard for me. So mm. I said, I'm, I'm not going to miss him for one day. And I said, if you can't pull one person out of your organization and still function, then you get a bigger problem. So I always just try to find a way to, to just say yes. Just find a way to make it work. Whatever it, you know, whatever it is that we're doing, it's going to be there tomorrow. It's, you know, it's, we're going to be fine. And oh, by the way, like I said, cr- cross-train. So that way I don't have like that one person who is the expert on this one thing and no one else knows how to fix whatever. Okay, so let, let's, 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 let's do it right. That's a that's great advice. That's great advice. Michaela, what would you add to that? Or well, as far as your your track in the fleet or your advice for female officers or officers in general? I will say, and it's probably because of women like Heidi that sort of paved the path that I did not I don't and, and, and none of the females on my on my on any of my platforms incurred any issues being a woman. Okay. If you were competent, if you were willing to work with the guys show that you were a leader that wanted to take care of your people, that you were respected. I did not incur any issues where, oh, she's a woman, you know, this is an issue. I really just, I, I'm, if I would, maybe I was just oblivious to it, maybe because I was just so tired and just couldn't even recognize it, notice it, and so focus on my job. Um, but it, I just didn't really incur those, incur those issues. But I will say what Heidi pointed out, you are being watched, you are being seen, so just be um, cognizant of the fact that even though you're probably not getting singled out, people are watching you. So what I would say when I see a, lo- a lot of traps is that, and I thought Heidi was going to go there when she was talking about the age, is that a lot of the, a lot of the sailors, it is, this is their college. And, you know, a lot of the ensigns, you're the same age as a lot of the, your enlisted sailors. You just got to be very careful. I see, I've seen a lot of midshipmen that when they come on, the, on, on our ships for cruise and some of the ensigns, as I got, I became a department head, they became a little bit too friendly with some of the male enlisted sailors. And of course I listened to the guys. I, I don't smoke, but I would go in the smoke pit. You know, there are, if there's an attractive female, you just have to be very careful that you remember that you're an officer and they're enlisted and that you cannot fraternization is a real thing to be concerned about and cognizant them. And you just don't want to give the impression of impropriety or go down that, that road. That was, that's the only thing. But if you, if you're a hard worker, I think we've gotten past the hump of, you know, ostracizing someone because they're a woman. And now that we've got females on submarines that are just kicking butt, I think that we're past that. Just go out there and do your job and just focus on taking care of your people being a, a good leader. Heidi and I kind of wrecked the curve here because we're both married to civilians. Um, so I married my husband and I was still on active duty, but he got spoiled. I was a congressional liaison wearing civilian clothes. So he didn't really even see the side of the Navy of me deployed. But because my husband was a civilian, I realized there was no way I was going to be able to be a service worker officer and leave him for six months. The fact that if we have, if he, he teleworks and the dogs will not get fed, far on the microwave like I'm like babe why are things like falling apart right now so I knew that he could not be by himself like on, on any 
capacity. Um, and I just, and Heidi's spot on in choosing a partner that is going to know what your role is and know that you've got this other commitment and just not, and put, I guess, not having too large of an ego that, um, that they can, you can be a team at the Cause when you're in the Navy, you definitely need someone that is going to be a partner and not trying to play this, you know, stereotypical role of, of a husband and wife as the, the, the wife is going to be cooking clean. You just need that someone that's going to be a teammate in your relationship. So Thank that's you. That's all I would that, add. Yeah, that is, that is great advice. And you're right. I think it, it, you need a person that is secure in who they are and that is willing to, as Heidi said, just be willing to not be in the limelight because you, you will be, and, and that's okay. Right. And to support and to support you in that or not the limelight, but the spotlight. There's anything else that you'd like to add in terms of careers, or if not, for those that are maybe exiting, and I know my son just went through this at the end of July. So the Navy does have a lot of programs to help with the transition from leaving the Navy and then going into the civilian world, internships and things like that. I don't know if there's anything you'd like to maybe mention about that, because I want to be respectful of your time. I stayed in the Navy a, a lot longer than I wanted to. I was going to do five years and go to law school at Harvard. And I, and, and, and because I, I became an aide to an admiral, um, he encouraged me to stay in because he would like my leadership style. And then many years later, I, I was still in it and just uh, very unhappy. Like I was, I, I was, uh, I deployed six times. I was on a ballistic missile defense ship and it was just a road. I was road hard um, completely. Sounds like what you're having with your son, Anna. On a, um, and I just would encourage people to do what they think is best for themselves. I thought about my family, how proud they were of me being in the Navy, and that also was the reason for me to stay. It was not until I met my husband when my priorities shifted and where I was like, you know what, I've got to start thinking about my myself. Now, while I'm not encouraging anyone to depart the Navy, like just because of, you know, because the Navy is trying to make strides to get the work-life balance, I, I thought about myself too late. I was all about ship, shipmate, self. I realized too late that I've got to think about myself as what is really making me happy and what is what what can I can do. I, the other thing I will talk about transitioning is that Congress mandated a couple of years ago in the National Defense Appreciation Act uh, that all service members that are departing take a TAP class, which is a transition assistance program. Um, and that is mandatory now by law, which a lot of people may not realize that and that the word is not getting out. So you have to go to TAP and that's where you learn about the, to assist you with transitioning from how to dress, what to wear, you know, what to wear, what, what things you should do and how to establish your network and how to get your resume. And then there's all these great programs like SkillBridge where you are, you do an internship with a, with a company like an IBM or an Apple or Facebook. And while you're still on active duty, and you can help further help with the transition. And that is another program that we want to make sure that we the word gets out. I just I would just encourage that the resources are there, get mentors. Um, and, and, it, and a true mentor is not going to be someone that's going to force you to stay and do something that you don't want to do, but they're going to listen to you and encourage you and give you guidance along your path. That's all I have. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. That, that, that is, um, that's very important. And one of his commanding officers was a mentor and still is. And he did take advantage of the skill bridge. So he did have an internship oh, and, out, yeah. and he did go to, they have the networking and the job fairs and all of that. Oh, and all of that was very valuable to him. So I do encourage 
um, anybody that's transitioning out. And again, I don't, I, like you said, I don't encourage anybody to leave, but right. when the time is right, there, they, there are things there that, that can help you. And Heidi, if you want to add anything to that. Absolutely. No, I think the biggest thing is something that I did not maybe do. I think I did um, kind of inadvertently because I got involved with Bloom Gold Officer work and mentoring students. Uh, I've been doing that for the last 20 years. So obviously that overlapped a fair amount of my time in the Navy. But I think the biggest thing would, would just be to plug in with a local chapter, with a Naval Academy chapter. We have this incredible network of 50,000 living graduates. And even when I got here, because I was in DC for about four years, and again, public affairs, I thought I was networked, but I was not really networked in the right way. So, and they also, in addition to the, the chapter, I know in this area, we had a uh, service academy business network. So that was connecting all service academies. And that was how I ended up getting my second civilian job was just through that network and just staying connected. Because I think a lot of it is like, you don't know what you don't know. So when you're around other grads, first of all, it feels like your tribe, number one. And then number two, you get to hear about the different things that people are doing, the jobs you've just never heard of before, like business development, like what is that? Or you find a way that you're able to still connect with the military. So say, for example, you're doing, uh, you know, like for Amazon, they have their, because a lot of a lot of companies now are very interested in hiring military folks. And some of them even have like literally goals for themselves that they want to hire, you know, X numbers of uh, a former military, or they have things like hiring our heroes. They have um, all sorts of a military focused hiring agencies. So, you know, getting in the door is one thing, but really understanding what you're getting yourself into is another story. And so I think the more you can just plug in with that network right off the bat, because this is the, that you will leave the Navy sometime. It's not a question of if you will, you will. It's a question of when. And so I think if you if you constantly keep keep your skills uh, sharp and you're con and you're networking with a lot of different people, especially people outside of the Navy, you start to have those perspectives. And then uh, and then it, maybe someone says, "Hey, you know what? We're next year. We're, we're we know we're going to be hiring this." Or sometimes people will create a job if they like you. They're going to figure it out. They're going to find a way to make that opportunity work for you. And then as you go along and then you start to, again, and always go back for reunions. I'm just going to put that out there. You know, <laughs> maybe the five years not going to happen. Maybe not even 10 because you're bouncing around doing 5 million things, but go back and do the reunions, yeah. go back to the reunions and reconnect with your classmates and hear what they're doing. And that's going to maybe, you know, spark an idea or something, you know, maybe an entrepreneurial thing, or maybe someone's going to say, Hey, you know what, I'm going to start this launch, this new business, come along with me and let's do this. So, um, and I've noticed also too in the Shipmate magazine. So keep your your address updated so you get that Shipmate. Uh, and they've they noticed they've started to do a more um, a little bit focus on, on entrepreneurs. So it's not all about you know our mission is a career in command, citizenship, and government. So we expect leadership at all levels. And so when you kind of see you know plug in, I know like Facebook is sort of falling out of favor a little bit, but I know we have a fantastic Facebook page for our class. So we stay connected. We see what people are doing. Stay connected. That's the biggest thing. Stay connected. See what see what what's up out there. And you just never and stay open to the possibilities. You just never know 
where someone's going to plop in your lap and be like, you know what, I, I want to do that, you know, or maybe you have a side hustle that you're doing. Maybe you, you know, have a little a craft, maybe like to paint or do Etsy things and whatnot. And you can keep this little side hustle going while you're doing your Navy stuff. And maybe that'll develop into something, or maybe it's just something you do for fun, or maybe you like to go hiking, maybe do something else in your free time that nurtures you uh, outside of the Navy. So just, like I said, just try to stay well-rounded and just try to, again, as Michaela's saying, just, take some time for yourself, do things for yourself. It is not being selfish at all. And, and I also wanted a quick mention, uh, so you haven't really talked about this at all with regards to family. They have, they have changed the rules a lot. Uh, it used to be six weeks from maternity leave. Now it's 12. Um, over the course of a year, you cannot deploy for your first year after you have your child, unless you want to. Uh, and so, and they can't pressure you of doing that. They have tried to also pay attention to, they call dwell time for reservists, as far as that time in between when you come back from deployment and when you have to deploy again. So they're trying to pay better attention to that. And I noticed that more men want to be involved dads. And so now they do get a paltry three weeks off. So what child is sleeping the night at three weeks? I have no freaking clue. I'm going to go with zero on that. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, I think hey, and, we have and, a congressional <laughs> liaison here that might be able to put. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we are. We are. Dad's proposal to increase it. There is. Dad's need there it. Is. I'm telling you, it, it's not yeah. just for the That's not just for the phone. the birthed children, but this also applies for adoptees. Okay. And sure. also, um, you know, same-sex marriage and stuff like that. That's all equal. So, so yeah, they they consider you know a transition when you have a child of any age. You know, whether that's a brand new baby or whether that's you know, uh, and that's another thing too is is like okay, maybe you don't want to deal with babies. Okay, well, there's lots of lots of children who um, who are older who need parents too. Sure. So, or sometimes people have a situation where they have to take on um, a fa- like an old an older parent or something like that. I mean, so there's ways to a lot of people think, oh, I have to get out because of, you know, this or that family situation. Well, maybe you do and maybe you don't. And maybe they can say, do a hardship where you can get stationed closer to a family member, like, you know, maybe someone who has a major medical issue and you need to be closer by. Just talk to your detailers, talk to people. They might be able to swing a deal for you that will keep you in. And maybe it might be, you know, a sidestep to some degree. But I just think the bottom line is that if you like what you're doing, and you just keep the conversation open with with the leadership. There are sometimes ways to make that work for you. That ways that you hadn't really thought about. So that's great uh, information. Thank you. Yeah, so much. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, it can work for family. You just sometimes you have to get creative. And so I think the Navy's become a much more open to possibilities, and a lot more spouses are expecting to have be able to continue their career in some way, whether they're have a portable job or whether, and also too, like for example, like if you're a teacher, you have, they have all these uh, programs now to try to help make sure that those certifications, you know, will be transferred from maybe one state to another. So they've really spent, because they know if you you don't just retain the sailor, you retain the family as well. Very true. Very true. And talking about family, since most of the listeners, I believe, are going to be parents, I'd like to wrap with some uh, maybe one or two things that you would advise to parents as to how they can best support not only their mids, but their officers in the fleet. And I'll throw it back to Michaela and then back to Heidi. And then um, before we go, we're going to have to say our Go Navy Beat Army thing. So, uh, Michaela, <laughs> yeah. two, two or three so for things parents. for parents. 
It's just so I will say that it was just it was um, immeasurable. My my family just being there and being support and being supportive and li- being a listening ear. And we're, granted, they may not understand anything that I'm saying, like when I'm saying a million acronyms. But when I was having a hard day, just listening. The care packages, care packages while deployed, even care packages when you're not deployed, are just uh, just show the person that you that you care. And just the network um, of just being, just being there. And also what I kind of liked was that my, you know, there's a huge network of, of um, academy parents. I love, I love that my mom was a part of that and my dad was a part of that. And that just staying connected to the Naval Academy family and other officers that are on the same, just being this, like an extension of family, just to show that you've got this great network that can support you. That's all I have. Thank you, Michaela. And Heidi, two or three things for parents. Yeah, I think the main thing is stay flexible because there's going to be stuff that comes up. Like I said, you have all of a sudden you've got these last minute orders and you're going completely cross country um, and, and then they have to be there, but then they, they can't get their car or they have a dog or they have, you know, kids or whatever. I'm not saying that, you know, you can't work and you can't do anything, but maybe the parent, maybe the parent has a flexible job and they can maybe pop in and they're going to be able to help <laughs> support that family member. I mean, my mother-in-law, yeah, my mother-in-law, my goodness, she, she retired from teaching on a Friday and then Monday she was with me in Miami for several months until my husband was done with his job because he didn't come right away. I wanted him to feel comfortable staying as long as he needed to close out his job because I knew I was going to Miami. I just didn't know exactly when. And I had just a few weeks. And so I had to go first. I had to get the house set up and then I had to go back, get the kids and the nanny. And she came with me for a couple of weeks. And then my mother-in-law came and stayed for a couple of months. So I would just say for parents is that just Semper Gumby, you know, <laughs> it's just going to be, yeah. don't, don't be, don't be shocked by anything. And, uh, and just be like, okay, how can I support? What can we do? Or if, you know, the parent can't do it, maybe they have friends or maybe they know someone who can do this that, or put that, in a good word for this or that, that or is- just. You know, it's, you'll find, you say, I will find a way or make one. That's just. That is great advice. Thank you Mm -hmm. so much. And of course, my podcasts are based on my book, a USNA Moms Journal. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being here, for the knowledge that you're pouring into parents and hopefully midshipmen and maybe even some officers will be able to uh, listen to this podcast and, and get a lot out of it. And I just cannot tell you how much I appreciate your time and sharing your adventures with all of us. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. And with that, I'm going to say go Navy. Beat Army. Beat Army. (laughs) There we go. Thank you.